thoughts about a lot of things. Do we say welcome? You just did, so okay. yeah. Okay. I'm Courtney. And I'm Anna. And we are here to share a lot of thoughts about a lot of things, including... I gave her time to prep for this. <laughs> I want to know, including kids, that's, we're, we're recording really late, so it's like 9.15 at night, and this is not ideal for either of us, but mm-hmm. we're here. So back to what I was going to ask you, what is the funniest thing that Myra has said recently? Myra, the other night... I was sitting in the living room with my husband, and as kids do, they go to the bathroom without closing the door, and I heard specific noises and grunts coming from the bathroom. So I just said, Myra, make sure to wipe your butt. And she says, I mean, she was very peppy in her response, oh yeah, mom, that is a good idea. And Joseph and I laughed so hard, but then I got to thinking about it. I've told her this a lot. Like, I've taught her to wipe her butt. Like, really. But then the fact that she said it with such pep, like, she had never heard this idea before. That this was just, like, this was this was the best idea ever invented. Like, freaked her. me out a little bit. And I, I've been consistent with her when we first started learning this. But now I'm like, I think... <laughs> I think I may need to, like, step in and double-check some things, because apparently this was, like, a new concept, which it shouldn't be, because I already told her. I love her, and that was, like, what was it? (laughs) That was last night when she, like, got me to, she said, Aunt Courtney, and got me to lean in real close and then said, we call you Auntie Coco. She doesn't call me that anymore, but, like, I'm, like... Okay, <laughs> sure. We've been practicing with baby Joseph. Oh, like, yeah, you told me. All day long, we are asking him, like, can you say this? Can you say this? Can you say this? And so when we go to your name, we say Aunt Coco. Which he's, like, catching on to talking. Yeah. I'm going to need yeah. him to teach my kid. It's just, like, we have to start him off with yeah. driving him with food. Oh, and yeah, then see, that's my problem. My kid oh, doesn't eat. Oh. <laughs> no. Yeah, so I, that's, that's what gets him to talk, usually. We started doing please tonight like saying it yeah. or today yeah and I, I I'll go I'll point to my mouth and I say say puh puh please and he goes puh puh I'm like okay so now please and he goes eh. I'm like that is no no brownie points for that you know but. somebody told me recently that teaching your child sign language will stunt their um, starting to talk, like, their ability mm-hmm. to start speaking because, like, they're doing the signs. They don't think they need to talk. But I'm like, I don't know. He only knows know a couple. That. He only knows a couple signs, and he knows how to talk. That's the thing. He just well, won't do yeah, it. Yeah, and I did sign language with Myra, and she was a very early talker, so I don't know if there's, like, any validity to that. I think it's because he's a boy, and he has always been delayed, and we'll go to the doctor at the end of next month for his two-year checkup, and I'll mention it again because I was, I was supposed to call at Thanksgiving if he wasn't to 20 words. And I, I didn't because he was improving, and now we're at a standstill. But it's, I might have gotten a little lazy. So. Well, I remember Jackson, um, my younger brother, not he did not talk for so long. Like, so long. Everybody seems to forget this except me because I babysat him on Mondays. And he did not talk for so, like, into two Really? And that's then good to all know. of a sudden, 
he started talking. And now he doesn't. And stop. now he doesn't stop talking. So, I mean, I... That's what everyone tells me. I'm like, that's... Know. It's not encouraging for you to say, once he starts talking, you won't stop. Because yeah, right now, yeah. right now, I just want him to be able to be like, I do not want fish sticks. Yeah. I would like chicken. And he can't say that. Yeah. Um, He just points and grunts. So... We've started deciding we're just going to stop responding. <laughs> Tilly like, talks. Now, now, sometimes we have to respond. But, like, if he wants to watch TV, he goes and, like, points at it and goes, eh. <laughs> we're going to just be like, no. That's Can you funny. say Toy Story? <laughs> Can you say? Yeah. So. Yeah, I always find, like, that whenever I practice talking with baby Joseph, I, um, have to do it during a time that he's not aware that I'm asking him to yes. do something. So, like, if he's swinging on the swing, we'll start doing yeah. that. And that seems, I don't know, like, in the moment, if I tell him to say something, like, if obviously, if I have my phone out, no, he's not going to say anything. Yeah. Anything. Well, I started Stinker. whenever I was putting him in pajamas. That's how mm. I, back in, like, November, October, November, I started doing that. And he did start saying yeah. some things. Yeah. Especially, I found, like, if it pertains to a toy, like, he has this truck where the doors open and close. Mm-hmm. It's, like, a small truck. And so, like, when he loves me to open them and him to close them, like. He would, mm-hmm. he'll do it like three million times and so when I open them I say say open he said he doesn't really he says I can't even say yeah. what he says <laughs> yeah. but he tries to say open and then when he closes them I say say close and it's like a game and he likes yeah. me to open it but I'm not gonna open it until he tries to say open yeah so well, it's all those tricks you have to do to get he, them to talk. He can't say his aunt's and uncle's names, but he can say buzz. So don't worry. <laughs> don't worry. He That's goes so funny. buzz. That's funny. I don't. Also, he's always known the word this. What? Like he points to things. This, this, what? this. Have you not heard him say no. that? No. Oh, pay attention. He says it all the time. He really does. So he, on New Year's, no, 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 not New Year's. Whenever we went caroling. Uh-huh. I was holding him at some point, and I said, where's Sam? And he goes, where's Sam? Okay, now I hear now these listen. stories all the time. Listen, it wasn't, like, super clear, yeah. but you could tell he was saying, where is Sam? He, so he, well, did he, he say prob- where, or did he just hold up his hand? No, he said, where's Sam? What? Because he says Sam. He'll say, My like. My mom, mom was there, and she heard it, and we were both like, what? It's because he knows. He knows. <laughs> Oh, that's why I, I won't really, do anything with the doctor. I really he think knows. he can talk, and but he he's just, just choosing not. Which you know, is why we're going to ignore him for the next. Well, few Joseph's, months. my husband's parents have told me all the time that Joseph would not talk. He would, I mean, till he was like two and a half, but he could talk. And so when he would say something, they would all go like, "Joseph, Joseph, yay, say it again!" And he would just look at them and smile and shake his head no. <laughs> So, and he can pretty much talk, so <laughs> he can, he's a pretty functional adult. Maybe, so. well, he's, he's quiet, so maybe this means that Paul yeah, John Paul is going to take after his dad. Yeah. I know. really doubt that with the way he acts <laughs> outside of that, but he does, he understands things, and he says yes and no. Tonight I said, do you want to, do you need a diaper change? And he said no, shook his head. Um, he doesn't actually say the words. Let's clarify, he's not that, not there yet. We're going to have to put a timestamp, like... And tell people, if you want to skip... We've never made it this far just talking. No, no, I. but we haven't seen each other. And we're and tired. Actually, 
able to talk. So we're going to have to put a timestamp, be I, like, if you don't like our banter back and forth like they do at Sheologians, yes. like if you get annoyed by our banter, just skip to this Isn't point. that like whenever so. I would be like, Paul, you've got to listen to this episode of Sheologians, yeah. you'd be like, no. Joseph is the same way. He, because, you know, when I first found it, I was freaking out. Like, I yeah. loved it. And so I tried to play a couple episodes for him, and, he, like, he could not get past the banter. And I'm, I'm like, like just, I love just, it. If I love it, and if you don't, just skip over it. Like, yeah. if you've made it into, it looks like we're about eight minutes into talking. If you've made it this far, just suck it up. Yeah, Just, you don't need to skip anymore. We'll get into it now. So, so, so uh, the timestamp thing is really not for you. <laughs> anyway. Oh, jeez. Okay, so. Transition. Transition. <laughs> There's never very... a good, smooth transition. It's always. I'll it's start a weird working on that. So, speaking so. of kids and talking, let's talk. That wasn't as smooth as you thought. It was a good, good so try. Tired. Good try. It's been such a long day. Anyway. <laughs> okay. We're going to talk about the perfections of God. This is a new series we're starting. Um, we're going to announce a little special surprise to go with the series at the end of the episode. So now you have to listen to the whole thing. Tricked you into it. Um, but I kind of want to start off with just a few quotes and um, some scripture And I think something that we need to point out at the beginning of this for all of these episodes, what we're planning on doing is doing this once a month. And we just really want to encourage y'all to focus on who God is through the month. So we're going to give you something like we're we're handing it to you, um, handing you different. We're calling them perfections. We'll explain that. But the attributes of God, we are handing them to you to focus on for a month. Um, I mean, you shouldn't forget it after the month's over, but um, just trying to set it up. But it's important that we say that um, we are really studying what other theologians have said. So you are going to hear a lot of quotes in these episodes because there are people who are smarter than us who some of them are dead. And um, I've heard someone who said, like, you should trust the people who are dead because they, like, won't change their theology. Like, yeah. they're good. You're good. <laughs> um, so we're going to we're gonna be quoting a lot of people. Um, but, yeah, let's just jump on in. But this episode is going to just kind of be an overview of why we're doing this series at all. So I'm going to start off with a quote from J.I. Packer, his book Knowing God, which is an excellent read. Um, He says, The highest science, the loftiest speculation, the mightiest philosophy which can ever engage the attention of a child of God is the name, the nature, the person, the work, the doings, and the existence of the great God who he calls his father. So, I mean, he's laying it out right there. Like, this is something we should study. Um, And I love how Allie Beth Stecky... Allie Beth Stuckey puts it. She says, you can't love what you don't know. We're going to come back to that quote in just a little bit. Um, But of course, we want to start this off with scripture. So Jeremiah 9, 23 to 24 says, Thus says the Lord, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. But let him who boasts boast in this, that he understands and knows me that I am the Lord who practice, practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. 
So, I mean, right off the bat, I think that that is very clear that this should be something that we're striving towards is to know God. Um, We're even going to talk a little bit about the term knowing God because it can become very mushy um, because of the word know kind of makes me think of like in Spanish there's multiple words for know and in English we have one so um, I guess we have like understands which is kind of a term that's related to it but Calvin says he says that there are two parts to wisdom there's the wisdom of God and the wisdom of man and basically Our question, what we want to address in this episode first, is which one of those comes first, wisdom of God or wisdom of man? Um, So let's think about if we want to start with wisdom of man being first. So basically what that would mean is that we are viewing God from the perspective of man. When you do that, just to put it simply, God becomes just a remedy for your problems, and you have no fear for his holiness at all. Um, That's the only way to put that. I don't have anything else to add to that statement besides a quote from Calvin. In particular, the miserable ruin into which the revolt of the first man has plunged us compels us to turn our eyes upwards. Not only that while hungry and famishing, we may thence ask what we want, but being aroused by fear may learn humility. That is, it's all to the glory of self. That's like summation. If you are trying to view God in light of who you are, um, it's to the glory of self. Okay, so we are going to pick, we're gonna, we're gonna talk about something that you might be like, ugh. Not why again. Not yeah, again. not again. Or you might be like, never listening to this again. And so, um, we're gonna we're gonna talk about personality tests and why we think it's not important to know who we are first. Paul and I were talking earlier today about how um, he was saying that people will talk about how like they have to do this personality test because it helps them. Or maybe I was talking to you. It's weird when I start getting you guys mixed <laughs> up. Oh, so um, someone that I was talking to said like you know it helps you like serve God better. But, like, in reality, we are changing people. (laughs) One day, as a woman, I am very happy, and I am looking for the best in every situation, and the next day, I'm crying on the floor. Like, I do not want to rely on myself for who I am. Um, So if I'm looking for looking at who God is through the perspective of me, well, I'm changing. So that day when I'm really happy, God is loving and he gives blessings. That day when I'm crying on the floor, God is harsh and not loving and doesn't give me any blessings. And so if we rely on our own changing selves to give us who God is, it doesn't work. Um, Of course, we're going to quote Rachel Jankovic because I really tried hard not to put her in this episode. But then whenever I started thinking about like looking at ourselves first, 
immediately I thought of her. Um, in You Who, she says, a Christian who is pursuing the glory of God is not threatened by changes. Because we are becoming ourselves through responsive obedience to God, we do not need either ourselves or our situations to be settled because our whole lives are fixed on God and he will not change. And I just like praise the Lord after reading that because I am just so grateful that I don't have to rely on myself and especially with my emotions I used to tell Paul before I was saved all the time that I couldn't help it I can't help how I am and I am so grateful that I can look at my marriage in light of who God is now and that it's so freeing yeah yes um and so basically to sum it up the need to seek yourself through worldly devices is diminished when you view yourself through the lens of who God is. You don't need it anymore. I want to read a portion um, as we walk into viewing man from the perspective of God, which is the right way if um, we haven't actually said it. I'm going to read Isaiah 6, 1 through 8. In the year that King Isaiah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim, each had six wings. With two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin is atoned for. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then I said, Here I am, send me. So Isaiah, and I want to say a lot of this I had never heard until G3. G3. Every yeah. time I was hear Was it James that, White that like, oh, just. It was James White and a couple of other people I mean, who, who use this passage. And every time I hear it and read it, I get goosebumps. Right? Like, it just, it really put into perspective for me, like, I heard a worship song recently about looking into the face of Jesus or something like that. Like, like. I can't remember the exact words, but it was like, I so, literally it said something along the lines of "I'm not afraid to look in your face" or something like that. And I I uh, heard oh. that almost directly after G3, and I'm like, no, 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 <laughs> you would be the seraphims had to cover their eyes and their feet because yep. of the immense holiness of the presence yep. of God. And these are like angelic creatures. Yep. And Isaiah was undone like he couldn't even handle him do you really think do you really think you're not i can't i'm sorry Uh, i can't i rc sproul says that that's like whenever he says woe is me for i am lost he is basically saying he is unraveled he is like completely just and you see the glory of god you're completely undone and praise the lord we don't see anything near what Isaiah sees. No, in human like, flesh, you can't stand whoo, it. I mean, when, um, when Moses saw the back, like, he couldn't even look and at then the his God, face And was, his face was glowing, yeah. and it freaked the people out. He had to cover yes. his face. Also, and, like, the people didn't even see God. They just saw the remnants of God's glory, I guess, 
coming out of Moses's face. Yep. And I'm like, you really think you're not afraid to look in the face of Jesus? It, you should be. Oh. You should be. I am. Like, until we are free of sin. Yeah. In a glorified state. I don't want to look in the face mm-hmm. of Jesus, and you don't want to either. You wouldn't be able to handle it. I mean, and we have we have this in the modern church, so I'm going to say we, the general we. The Jesus has this, boyfriend? Yes. We have this view of God as someone who is just going to, like, cuddle us and, like... Tell us we're pretty and we're loved and... Yeah. It, and that is not, like, I understand because we're going to go over the perfections in terms of, like, okay, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and spoil it. Next week, we're going to talk about the holiness of God. And we've kind of jumped into that a little and bit. And how we're even going to scrape the surface of that, oh, I yeah. don't know. <laughs> Lots of R.C. sprawls. Um, we're going to look at the holiness, but we're going to look at the love of God. We're going to look at, it's yeah. not like we're sitting here like wanting to be like hellfire and brimstone no that's not no and see the problem with like the whole jesus boyfriend trend is that there's an essence of truth that jesus loves us so we've taken that we've run it and we've thrown it into perverted view of love between a boyfriend and a girl or or, like Mm -hmm. that is a different kind of yes love and it's about having this full as full as we can glimpse of who God is and um I want to talk because again we totally believe that without this right view of God and that means his holiness that means his mercy that means his love that means his sovereignty and without that right view we will not know who we are and that is why we're trying to fill it with every hole. So I'm going to read a quote, not from Rachel Jankovic. You're welcome. Um, I'm just kidding. We love her. Uh, from Calvin. This is from the Institutes of Christian Religion, book one, chapter one. And you can find this online. Highly suggest reading it. Um, actually, chapter one is like in the paper copy I have. It's like two and a half pages. It says, it is evident that man never attains to a true self-knowledge until he have pre- previously contemplated the face of God and come down after such contemplation to look into himself for such is our innate pride we always seem to ourselves just and upright and wise and holy until we are convinced by clear evidence of our injustice in injustice vileness folly and impurity and I'm just like man Calvin I probably should know when he lived but I don't um but he lived a long time ago. And yet, how relevant is that? Because we are, like, the world is all about self-knowledge. I mean, knowing who you are and what are you going to do with it and what are, like, follow these guidelines from the world to change versus going to scripture. Yeah. Uh, and it's not, like, this quote, unless I'm misreading it, is not saying, like, you can never look at yourself. Because sometimes you do actually really need to look at yourself. Oh, yeah. But if you're looking at yourself in any view other than... The light of God. The light of... In light of who God is, it's going to be a distorted... Yes. Messed up view. Like, it's not going to be accurate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, I mean, you again, I want to clarify that we are not sitting here trying to down people and be like, you are not as holy as God, because you aren't. Yeah. But you're also not as loving as God. What does that yeah. say to you? Yeah, and what we're not saying, too, because 
I'm just thinking of like what people are going to think when they hear this is that we're not saying you don't have value as a person. Yeah. You know why you have value? Because uh, God said you did. I'm going to read a quote <laughs> from good old Rachel. I can't get away from her. When you are in Christ, you can see yourself in all its worthlessness and still laugh with joy. And I just love that because that's the reason that we are, we okay, you do not need to strive to know more about yourself because human nature is that you're going to know yourself really good and you're going to handle that all on its own. We do have to strive to know God. And the thing is, is that in light of God, it just changes everything because we're not relying on that self. And when she says in all its worthlessness, that's harsh. Yeah. That is harsh. But is it true that we should find our identity in Christ or are we yeah. finding our identity in yeah. our Well, that's what, you know, I was just saying, like, we're not saying that everyone is a piece of trash. Your value comes from yes. Christ. Like, like, you do have value. Exactly. You do have value and you should find it in Christ. Exactly. Um, one more quote from her. I think this might be the last this might be the last one from her uh, who i am is not actually my concern it is yep. far from my responsibility and life's work to create and curate myself yep. for the christian the question of who am i is actually just another way of asking who is he i just like i feel like we can close up shop and just leave go home <laughs> yeah no it Seriously, though, how many times are we seeking to figure out who we are so we can solve all of our problems? And you know what? While we're at it, we'll solve some of God's problems because, you know, it's not like he didn't, like he, he, like for me, I talk too much. Like God knew I was going to talk too much. Like I think that he knew what my personality was going to be like. And I think he knew how Rachel, I think she said it last week on our interview, how she said like sometimes your per personality is something God gives you that personality so you can lay it at the feet of Jesus. Yep. And I so like your personality should not be what you're leaning on. No. And you can't. <laughs> Like, people use their personality or their type as an excuse all the time. Like, and that's part of the huge problems of personality tests is like, oh, I'm this way because I'm a two. Or even, okay, let's just throw personality tests out the window. Let's not even talk about it. But even people who are like, I'm extroverted or I'm yeah introverted or so this is why i am the way i am don't try to stretch me don't oh, do yeah. that oh don't I... do that because i am am extroverted i have to be around people like rachel chinkovich just said that actually in our last episode like she likes to be around people and it was such a transition for her mm. to not be around people which i feel that at a deep level it's just well paul hey paul i'm shouting out to you <laughs> love you um, we're really tired um paul he is an introvert and he has like is preached the word i don't are you a preacher if he's he just has, a deacon he has gone in front of the church i was gonna say and spoken so is that preaching he preached yeah when i was here a couple weeks yeah, ago. yeah i don't know the terms um yes he sounds was stupid so he has preached in front of the church and you know what He's, I'll let him listen to this and decide if I can say it. He has told me before how nervous that makes him, and he just doesn't know what to say. And yet, because that is something that he has been asked to do, 
And because he is, he's very knowledgeable and is able to share, he didn't look and be like, well, I don't speak in front of crowds. Like, it makes me so happy to see him doing that because I know it's something that, like, is hard for him. And isn't it rewarding when we get over ourselves and just do what God has called us to do? And and you know what? The thing is, is that when we have this right view of God, everything is easier, including obedience. In Psalm 119, um, I think that is probably one of my favorite parts of the word um, because it just talks about desiring to know God and know his law. And in verse 10, it says, with my whole heart, I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. And that just reinforces that this is a part of our duty. And this is the way that we end up following in obedience. Because if you're wondering, how do I get to that point of obedience? How do I get to the point of reading the Bible every single day? Well, are you looking at God correctly? Like it's all connected. It's like magic. Um, and also, I want to go back to that Allie Beth Stuckey where she says, you can't love what you don't know. And just just for imagination's sake, imagine that you are married to someone and you never talk to them and you never care about what they care about. Um, I don't enjoy football, but if Paul says, like, so-and-so traded for so-and-so, I go... I, I notice his expressions, and I'm always like, great. <laughs> and I, like, I I try to be encouraging as much as I can in something that I really don't, no offense, Paul, I don't care about it. Um, he knows that. But I try to be encouraging because I love him, and I want to know him, and I want to know. That's why I know who his favorite team is, because that's part of me loving him is knowing those. And and so if it if that is just a picture of, like, not like we're perfect in marriage, but like that's a picture of a way that I show Paul that I love him and that I'm able to love him is by knowing this small fact of who his favorite team is. How much more can we put that towards God? Like we should yearn to know him and to know him fully um, or as fully, let me clarify, as fully as we can because um, I don't think we're ever going to be perfect in our knowledge of him. But also, we don't need to just remember his holiness and not remember his love. And we don't need yep. to just remember his love and not remember his holiness. Um, and that goes for any of the perfections of God. So the next thing we want to talk about is knowing versus knowing about. We know knowing about very well. Both of us came out of, I, I want to start saying nominal Christianity, but I want to say like quote unquote, because I want to make sure we have made clear that nominal Christians are not Christians. They claim the name of Christians. So, and a lot of times those are the people that just know the most about God in a way, like they know all the facts, which is, it's so easy to assume that just because you know facts, which is a hard word to say, that you know God. And whenever really you just intellectually know him um so i want to read from packer again in knowing god we may, may know as much about god as calvin knew indeed if we study his works diligently sooner or later we shall and yet all the time we may hardly know god at all that is just like it's kind of like whenever you think about the thing like if i can reference james white more than I can reference the Bible, there's a problem. Mm -hmm. If I can reference Calvin, 
more than I can reference the Bible. There is a problem. Um, so it's that same thing. You can know all about God. And I don't know if that connection was all the way there, but it was a good point anyway. So I'm going to read a, one more quote from Packer. The question is not whether we are good at theology. The question is, can we say simply, honestly, not because we feel that as evangelicals we ought to, but because it is a plain matter of fact that we have known God and that because we have known God, the unpleasant unpleasantness we have had or the pleasantness we have not had through being Christians does not matter to us. So no matter what happens to you, um, can you say that knowing God has been well worth it all? And um, knowing, not knowing about knowing God, and I think especially in this day and age, we can separate it pretty quickly because the world is changing and it's going to become more and more. I mean, you think about Max Lucado a few weeks oh ago, goodness. how he fell into Jen Hatmaker. If you haven't looked at that, we'll let you guys know. Where look that he up. referenced the Holy Spirit as a female. Yeah, he said him, her, her it. And I was like, I no. I just, um, I'm really. And that's the thing. I asked Paul at one point about like Josh Harris, and I was like, I don't understand. Was he saved or was he not? And he paused for a minute and he said, he wasn't. Because we don't believe that you can fall out of salvation. And if you are blaspheming God, like, that's it. So that's the big thing. Like, we are hitting a point in time where if you do not know God past the intellectual, you're going to be faced with choices. And it's going to be so much easier to go with the world's choice. So much easier. And I've seen that with friends and it breaks my heart. Um, when we look at John seventeen three, it says, And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. That is where our connection with God lies, is knowing him. And whenever it says that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent, that is not knowing intellectually. It is truly, deeply knowing God and um, and that produces a transformation in your life Mm -hmm. and it bears fruit absolutely it's all connected we didn't plan this but it's connected to obedience too it is I mean (laughs) and it's connected to worship which is what we heard all about at G3 um I mean it literally this is just all being pulled together and it's only by the grace of God that it's all coming together for us in our brains because yeah. Um, so the big question is, we look at knowing God and you say, I'm going to copy my pastor because he always says, YBH. And everybody goes, yeah, but how? <laughs> That's my one reference to my father-in-law in the episode to ensure <laughs> that I am his favorite. Um, so scripture. That's my only way I'm going to tell you is scripture. Because that, I mean, like, that's a very Sunday school answer. But it's literally like... How are you going to find out about God? Again, I'm going to go back to this because it's on the brain. Unless you're trusting in some kind of private revelation. Which which is more popular than you'd think. It really is more popular than you think. And it's how cults start. Like Jonestown. The problem of us is solved in light of God. Yep. Um, So yeah. 
We just need to be in the word. It's so important. We're never going to stop saying that. So um, we're hitting the end. I want to tell you guys why we chose the perfections as the term, which maybe this should have gone at the beginning. I don't know. Um, Louis Burkhoff. And now I want to say, um, I'm going to suggest, I'm going to tell who it is later, but this guy, Craig Ireland, he's a pastor out in Texas, and he did the revival service where I decided to that I need to be rebaptized. Um, so I've listened to a lot of his sermons, and he actually has a sermon series on the perfections of God, and this is where I got this from. Um, so Louis Burkhoff, I'm going to read a couple quotes from him about perfections versus attributes. First, he says, It is that perfection of God by which he is devoid of all change, not only in his being, but also in his perfections and his purposes and his promises. Um, so that's just basically talking about how God is perfect in everything. <laughs> He's not lacking. But here he is specifically talking about the word perfections. The name attributes is not ideal since it conveys the notion of adding or assigning something to one and is therefore apt to create the impression that something is being added to the divine being. They may be defined as the perfections which are predicated of the divine being in scripture or are visibly exercised by him in his works of creation, providence, and redemption. So we just decided to go along the lines of perfections because we think it is a lot clearer than attributes. But if we say attributes, same thing, but we want to just define it. Um, but closing up, just want to ask a question and give you one more quote. If you knew God more, what would change in your life? That's just open-ended. So just think about that. And a quote to close out, ours is a culture in which the tendency is to exalt what is human and diminish what is divine. Even in evangelical circles, we find increasingly attractive a view of God in which God is one of us, as it were, a partner in the unfolding drama of life. But lost in much of this contemporary evangelical theology is the full omniscience, omnipotence, splendor, greatness, supremacy, rulership, and unqualified lordship of God. In contrast, the vision of God affirmed in these pages is, is of one who reigns supreme over all, whose purposes are accomplished without fail, and who directs the course of human affairs, including the central drama of saving a people for the honor of his name, all the perfect holiness and matchless grace. Um, that's Thomas S. Greener and Bruce Wade in their book, Still Sovereign. Um, as we close out, we want to give a couple resources. So we, Calvin's Institutes of the Christian Religion, like we said, you can just find that online. Knowing God by J.I. Packer, Holiness of God by R.C. Sproul, You Who by Rachel Jankovic, Craig Ireland, that pastor I mentioned, they have an app. It's called Oak Grove Knack like N-A-C. Um, and we are going to be, Anna, we're going to be listening through those sermons. Oh, his sermons are really good. Yeah, and he also, he's Australian, so he's fun he's to listen good, to. He's got a good accent. You know. Um, and then Systematic Theology by Louis Burkhoff. You can find that online as well. And we don't know when this will come out, so we want to just go ahead and say it. The G3 stuff from the worship, um, the hmm, G3 2020 on worship, the reason why we say that is because a lot of it was worship is aligned with our view of God. So super important. We want to share a quick announcement. We are teaming up with, if you are on Instagram, 
at the biblical creative she makes awesome beautiful graphics and actually um, our sola gratia shirts that we love she designed those and we're teaming up with her she is going to make um, graphics and wallpapers for your phone for this series so that um, just like another little reminder because I actually use all of her wallpapers I just changed mine the other day but I haven't used anything but hers for months and months and months so I'm super excited about that um, and also we might come out with something in a couple weeks uh, we're working on something else um, just to be an encouragement um, if you guys have any question comments concerns complaints <laughs> um i'm worried this time around we said we said some some big things um you can reach out to us on instagram we are at a lot of thoughts podcast and our email is a lot of thoughts podcast at gmail.com as always if you want to saturate your message with scripture we really love that but before we close out i feel like this should have been before that but are you reading, watching, listening to anything in particular? Um, I have been a lot lately going back to the G3 stuff. Mm -hmm. And I went back to their first conference, which was on the gospel. And I listened, watched a sermon mm -hmm. that Vodi Bauckham did on why it's important to get the gospel right. Ooh, it you was so good. It was so good. Also, my husband and I have been we listened to several watched on youtube a bunch of uh john MacArthur sermons which they were really good but then we're still watching the mentalist Same. which i really i really like it okay the thing about the mentalist is it's got the pull of the the crime right but it's not nasty like the other crime ones like you don't see anything gross mm -hmm. there's no like sexual yeah things in the mentalist it's just like clean and witty i should watch it. you it's I've never even... i mean we're only on season three so i mean i don't know what comes after season three yeah. but so far i cannot say like this is dirty i'm at all like, i'm currently all. in the need of stuff to watch the problem is is that like the shows that i really like they decided not to bring them back until february yeah. and like one of them a girl gets kidnapped at the end of the episode Ugh. and then it's like you have to wait until february i can't stand what are you that? talking about i can't stand Pleasure. I'm finishing You Who, and yeah. and I'm halfway through, not uh, probably not quite halfway through R.C. Sproul's Holiness of God book. I'm not. I we're reading that. Paul and I are reading that together. So we're reading like a chapter okay. a week. Um, it's really good. I it feel is, like it is good. I also am reading The Doctrines of Grace by James Montgomery Boyce and Philip Graham Riken, and I cannot. I'm one chapter in. <laughs> And I cannot suggest it enough so far. Um, now we, I am officially a Calvinist as of <laughs> like a couple weeks ago. But I don't get what that means totally. Like I do, but I just don't know how to like discuss it. So this book goes through like the points and everything. And it's really good. Oh, we're watching the Waltons too. Oh. Myra loves the Waltons now. Anna has one of those kids that yes. watches. We watched, we finished Little House in the Prairie, and now we're watching the Waltons. And also Disney Plus, which by the time we post this, it is coming, uh, Toy Story 4 comes on Disney Plus on the 5th. Ooh, 
can I come over and watch it? Because I don't have Disney Plus. We've never seen it, so we're we're watching it. Watching it. <laughs> we're watching it next Wednesday night after our small group. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you guys should come over and watch. I it. I want to. Um, Is all your small group going to be there? No, not for that. Okay. I don't know. You, we just have to get this approved by Paul. Remember, he's okay. an introvert. <laughs> he, Tell him I'll bring food. <laughs> Listen, we're in it for food, man. <laughs> and then we can record the next podcast, which this one is really long, so I don't know what we're going to do. But anyway, thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you.